You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economics and Markets Research podcast. This podcast is not investment research and nor does it purport to make any recommendations. Rather, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be relied upon for any investment purposes. You are advised to read the full Global Economics and Markets Research disclaimers, which can be found at www.combankresearch.com.au. Hi there, my name is Dennis Fosnesensky, the Agri and Sustainability Economist at CBA. Today, apart from our regular market commentary, we are going to delve into the growing split in seasonal conditions between the well-watered East Coast and the sweltering hot and dry West Coast of Australia. Uh, for more details, check out the report that came into your inboxes on the 12th of February 2024 when we're recording this podcast. Joining me today to delve into the latest on Western Australia and global development is John O, Associate Director of Sustainability at CBA. How's it going, John? Oh, it's going good here. Thanks, Dennis. Hey, I saw that you've been traveling lately. Where have you been? Yeah, a fair bit of travel over the last week. So I headed over to Western Australia and from Perth went to Esperance and Albany. So seeing a bit of the country, especially down south, uh, and looking at what's been going on, chatting to a few farmers, doing some presentations. Yeah. And uh, how are conditions looking like in that part of the world? We're still a bit far from planting, aren't we? Yeah, so we are still a fair bit from planting, around two months. So April is is really when the, the key planting window is. It, it depends on, on the grower and the exact region, but overall, yes, uh, still a bit uh, far away. But there are a couple of trends starting to emerge uh, that I think we should keep an eye out for. In Albany, uh, that cropping zone, uh, which last year accounted for around 30% of WA's total winter crop, so that includes things like wheat and barley, canola, pulses. Um, the reports on the ground are that right now the soil moisture is a lot drier uh, or more limited compared to February of 23, with the last really notable rainfall back in October. Now, in Geraldton, that accounts for around 10% of total WA's crop, again, that winter crop. Uh, it's in the grips of, again, very, very dry conditions for a second year in a row. While January and February are typically dry, this is something to note, in early 2023, Geraldton at least had carryover soil moisture from a wet 2022. This year, that's not the case. So between August 2022 and February 2023, Geraldton recorded 229 millimetres of rainfall. Between August of 2023 and February of 2024, so the present, that's only 52 millimetres of rainfall. So there is a considerable difference in terms of carryover rainfall. In Esperance Zone, well, that's that's very, very mixed at the moment. While some areas are doing well, most have experienced very limited summer rainfall so far, uh, particularly east of that uh, Esperance Highway. So mixed results overall, but it does seem like conditions are drier at this point compared to, uh, compared to last year. So less carryover moisture. Yeah, so conditions being dry. So do you think the drier conditions will have an impact on what is planted? Well, for the time being, if we look at the Bureau of Meteorology, they're forecasting about average rainfall between uh, March and May. So if we do end up getting uh, average rainfall, it could cover for the issues we're seeing right now in terms of dryness. If it doesn't, uh, we're likely to see less canola, more wheat. I think the interesting thing to note uh, that I heard a lot of farmers talking about is that they're starting to backtrack on how much barley uh, they plant. So barley is kind of falling out of favour, partly due to agronomic reasons, partially due to a concern uh, that our market, uh, our export market, is very heavily concentrated towards China. And yes, China's come back for our barley, but 
considering that's still such a considerable major, uh, chunk of our barley is going to go to China, what are the risks that China leaves again? Such a high concentrated risk uh, of, of prices falling if that one key uh, market participant leaves. So I think that there's a lot of hesitancy uh, from farmers remaining on the barley side. So it does look drier than normal, noting that there is still some time before planting, as you mentioned. So what type of impact has that had on local pricing in Western Australia? Well, overall, uh, Western Australian prices have held up better than their East Coast counterparts, while the East Coast have declined as seasonal conditions have improved and the season looks a lot more certain uh, compared to the West Coast. What's been happening on the East Coast is, yeah, the, the premium that the East Coast trades compared to global levels, so APW1 wheat, how that compares to global levels, that's trended considerably lower and the actual price of APW1 wheat has come down with it. Uh, on the West Coast, uh, we're actually seeing the premium stay at a, at a relatively healthy level compared to global level, so around 65 to $75 per tonne. If you look at somewhere like Queensland and you look at Brisbane track APW1 pricing there, it was at around $140 per tonne premium back in November of 2023. And on the 7th of February, it actually reached a low of $29 per tonne. So there's been a considerable decline on the East Coast. Uh, and if you look at the absolute value of APW1 wheat, Quinana, free and store, around $404 per tonne when we were recording this podcast. Newcastle, $354 per tonne track. So a fair difference there between the coasts. And uh, do you think it's sustainable for Western Australia pricing to trade at such a premium for the rest of the year? I mean, there have been times historically when Western Australia traded at a premium, say in 2010, 11. 2012-13, but the question is, can that be sustainable for the whole year? Yeah, you're exactly right. So th there have been times in history when WA has traded a premium to East Coast levels. Um, and also, like you said, uh, the question is, can it be sustained for the whole year? I think what we have to remember is that the West Coast is a lot more export oriented than the East Coast overall for the winter crop. So if, for example, in an average year, half of the winter crop on the East Coast is exported while half is used in the domestic market, on the West Coast, that split is substantially more uneven and the vast majority would have to be oriented towards the export market, which means even if, say, we have a poor crop in WA this year, towards harvest, you're still going to have a crop that's going to be larger than the small domestic demand you have. And if you want to export any of it out of the country, you will have to price competitively just as the East Coast is. I think if, if it does get very, very dry, um, farmers will likely become more reluctant sellers. Uh, and considering that there's already been a fair chunk of the crop sold, yeah, it could create a more supportive environment. Uh, but we're going to, what can we do? We, we can look at the forecast that we have at the moment is for average rainfall. If we assume uh, that the average rainfall in the forecast turns into an average production year, uh, that, that wouldn't be very supportive uh, of pricing compared to where we are at the moment with that rather healthy premium of local WA prices compared to global. Okay. So just zooming out and now moving on to global markets, any significant developments? I saw that um, global prices for wheat were up marginally, but corn and soy were both down around a percent. Anything notable happening there? Uh, it's, it's, it's more of the same uh, on glo in global markets. So in terms of covering the details, glo yeah, global wheat prices up around a percent. Uh, if you look at European canola prices, 
also up around a percent. Corn down 3% over the week. Soybeans down 1%. Ice canola, so that Canadian canola down 1% to 2%. Uh, where the majority of price, prices around the world are being weighed down uh, by that incoming South American crop that we've talked about on previous podcasts. So expecting a, a record South American corn and soy crop, d- despite the fact that there have been uh, dry conditions of late, not, not significant enough at this point uh, to see a considerable downgrade to, again, what is looking like a record crop. Uh, also, what's weighing on markets is that while the US uh, hasn't planted yet, uh, for their corn and soy crops, still a fair while away. The interesting thing is that only 27% of the U.S. soybean cropping area right now is under drought conditions versus 36% last year when record yields were reached, at, again, at this point last year. So in theory, the season's looking better also, n- not only in South America, um, but also the U.S. from a production standpoint at, at this point. Yeah, and on local prices, any big moves? Uh, if we look at local wheat and barley prices, on average across the country, decline around 1%. Uh, WA prices, like we talked about before, have been a bit more stuck compared to East Coast levels. Uh, that have continued to ease off. Uh, on the canola side, uh, starting to see some port zones dip below that kind of like psychological $600 per tonne for non-GM canola. There just doesn't seem to be a way around it at the moment. Uh, there is a lot of oil seeds around and lots to come. So we talked about uh, in previous podcasts the fact that at, towards the end of last year, we had a large, uh, a decent-sized crop in Europe, followed by Canada. Ukraine even had a, a decent crop. Uh, in Australia, while we didn't have another 8 million tonne crop, we had over 5 million tonnes, which was also very large historically. Um, and in, in theory, as we move towards the middle of the year, just before European harvest seasonally, uh, that could be a time when there's a bit of constraint on availability of canola and we could see a bit of upside. Uh, But in terms of sustained upside, it it, it looks like it's more likely towards year-end as opposed to right now. There's just a lot of availability um, at this point. And also on the demand side, something we talked about in the the Chida podcast a couple of podcasts ago, um, there are some issues cropping up, uh, including in China where there's declining hog prices um, and declining economic activity, which is not supportive of of higher imports. Okay, Dennis, um, let's wrap things up. So in WA, things are getting drier, but there's still time until harvest. And in the East Coast, we're starting to see the year very well, starting the year very well. And in, and globally, our prices continue to be depressed. Anything you'd like to add? No, I think that's a, that's a pretty good wrap, John. Uh, for any more uh, up-to-date um, updates, uh, you can find us both on LinkedIn and also on Twitter. Just search Voz underscore Dennis. 